The second reading is taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 20, verses 19 to the end. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you, not, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for your word, which contains in it everything necessary for our salvation, for our instruction, for our teaching, for our guidance. Lord, help us now to unpack it. Help us now to dig into its riches, to explore its depths, and to be transformed by its very word and power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <clears throat> the Sunday Gospel reading for the second Sunday in Easter is John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. And this includes the encounter with the so-called Doubting Thomas and the disciples in the locked room. And what I find interesting is that no matter what lectionary year you're in, whatever lectionary you're following, this Gospel passage comes on this Sunday 
every single year. We are supposed to know this one. <laughs> this, we get this one every year. It's a bit like Christmas and Easter and Pentecost. This is one that we get time and time again. It's a familiar story. And I think it's what I would say, a story which um, many of us can resonate with at different points of our faith. The utter humanness of Thomas is so apparent, and yet the utter divineness of Christ so magnificent. And so today's talk is called Peace, Presence, Power, and Purpose. Say it with me. Peace, Presence, Power, and Purpose. Four headings under which I think we can draw out some wisdom for our lives. And I'm not showing off that I've been to vicar school and they've taught me how to do an alliteration. That's just how it happened. The Lord spoke to me as I prepared. So verse 19, which is where we kick off, kicks off with one of John's customary mentions of timing, locating this encounter with the disciples in that early moment, receiving the news from Mary and the other women. Mary's just told them, I've seen the Lord. But that news has not really sunk in yet. And so they remained, as it says, behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish and Judean leaders, since they truly believe that they are going to be next in line for the chop. So how are they feeling? Scared? Uneasy? I think they would have been mightily confused. These were the known and close associates of Jesus of Nazareth, who was mocked, beaten, scorned, killed. And now what Mary's told them is that his body is nowhere to be seen. They're laying low, staying in the shadows. That door was firmly locked and bolted. And then, as if there wasn't enough strangeness going on, Jesus just appears to them. He just appears in the middle of the room. He doesn't unlock the door. He doesn't knock. He doesn't have the key. He's not politely British saying, may I enter? He just appears. He comes to them in the midst of their confusion, in the depths of their fear. He breaks into their lives and says, peace be with you. In fact, the scripture literally says that despite the doors being locked, Jesus comes and stands in their midst. A phrase which has a lovely parallel for those who recall Revelation chapter 1, where it says the Son of Man stands in the midst of the lampstands. John is showing us that Jesus' body is slightly special. It doesn't necessarily abide by the laws of nature as we've come to understand them. He can now walk through walls or appear in rooms. And these poor disciples would no doubt have been scared out of their minds. Is it really him, they're thinking? It's a ghost, surely. Or more likely what I would do, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? But he's not a ghost, is he? He's real. He appears with real hands and real feet, real wounds and real flesh and blood. And it's into this absolutely chaotic scene that we hear Jesus's first words to the group of friends since the resurrection. Peace be with you. After his friends had been through loss, confusion, heartache, fear, pain, Jesus 
brings peace. And on saying this, he immediately shows them not his hands and feet, as in Luke's account, but his hands and his side. John is confirming that this is the same Jesus they knew before. But also these are the wounds by which we are healed, with which bring about peace. John is using all of his scriptural knowledge. I'm sure you know it too. Remembering the springs of living water that flow from Ezekiel chapter 47. It was a picture of the temple. But John is showing that actually the springs of living water flow from the side of Jesus, the true temple. And so once this news sinks in, joy comes to the disciples as they begin to recognize who Jesus really is. What does death and resurrection really mean? And Thomas's response, which we find nowhere else in the scriptures, my Lord and my God. The penny has finally dropped for Thomas that he is not just rabbi and friend and teacher, Messiah. He is now God and always was God. But the thing I find so powerful about Jesus's peace is that if you remember the last words of Jesus on the cross, what were they? It is finished. The first words he says three days later, peace be with you. The first words to his disciples after his resurrection as a group, peace be with you. Jesus died on the cross for our sin, for your sin, for my sin. And yet the first thing he said to the human beings who put him there was not, Oi, what did you do that for? His peace be with you. It's profound. It's not humans who approach God to make peace, but God reaches out to humanity and gives us peace. Which is why what's different about the peace that we can experience through the Holy Spirit when we seek to follow Jesus, is that it's God-given peace. It's God-given peace. I want to ask, what are you going through at the moment? What have you been through recently? We can be in the depths of despair. We can be in the throes of heartache. We can be suffering loss, incomprehensible grief, pain, hopelessness. Or the feeling of being overwhelmed by all that we have to do. We can be, if you like, locked in like those disciples by our own feelings. Imprisoned perhaps by our own self-image. And yet Jesus can go where no one else can go. He can go where no counsellor can go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no lover can go. He can reach us and he can reach into us. Anywhere and any time place where you are today or any other point in your life where Jesus cannot reach you. He is called the Prince of Peace and he will be with us alongside us showing us the extent of those living waters flowing from him. And it's unlike the schemes of the world, isn't it? I don't know if you've been to a bookshop recently. I haven't actually been to one. Uh, but I imagine they're still full of self-help books uh, from top shelf to bottom shelf. Do this and you'll experience peace. Sit like this and you'll experience peace. Eat this vegetable and you'll experience peace. 
do a 10-kilometer run followed by a five-minute swim in a cold bath or something. I don't know. There's all sorts of things, isn't there? And you will experience peace. The thing about Jesus' peace is you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Jesus comes to you. Jesus comes to us. He gives us his peace. It's a God-given gift. Before Jesus says anything about power or purpose, he says, peace I give to you. And I think he does this by his presence. Verse 19, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Remember their leader has just been crucified as a threat to Caesar. Their fear is totally understandable, isn't it? They're worried for their lives. And into that fear comes Jesus. And I suppose I want to draw your attention to this because I think it's often the way I feel the need for the risen living Jesus most often because fear can be crippling. I don't know if you've ever experienced such crippling fear. For me, fear that I won't be prepared for something that I'm expected to do. Perhaps the churches will flop on my watch. It's not my church, it's God's church. But how often do I want to make it my church? Fear that the groups that I run won't be attended, that the, uh, the outdoor 615 service will only have five people at it. Fear that I'm making mistakes with my children. Fear that when it comes to it, I won't have the faith to die well. Fear that I might drift into worldliness and uselessness. I think what Jesus is saying in this action is, I come to my own when they are afraid. His presence is a promise that he does not wait for us to get our act together before he'll come to us. It's like he said, I don't wait for them to have enough faith to overcome fear. I come to help them to have enough faith to overcome fear. This is what God does. And he comes near with that promise, fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. So whatever it is you may be facing, he promises peace and we can depend on his presence. And then we are given power. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I always imagine this passage where it's quite difficult to preach this passage in COVID. Jesus breathing on people. Not a good, not a good image. Jesus was indicating that he was going to pour out the Holy Spirit when he ascended into heaven, which happens about seven weeks later, and we call it Pentecost. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives us makes us able to do what we are simply not able to do on our own. He gives us power. Power to overcome fear. Power to bind up the brokenhearted. Power to bring healing to the sick. Power to set the captives free. And so here in John 20, Jesus performs a kind of parable, if you like, acted out. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In effect, he's saying, realize that my breath, my life, my word will be in the Holy Spirit. So receive it. Receive it. And I think we too must receive 
the Holy Spirit and depend on the Spirit in our lives too. I once heard a great saying that says, um, if you're a church that's just purely based on the Word, you dry up. If you're a church which is purely based on the Spirit, you blow up. But if you are a church which is based on Word and Spirit, you grow up. I think that's what we're called to be, people of the, the book and people of spirit. The well-known Bible teacher John Stott said, what we need is not more learning, not more eloquence, not more persuasion, not more organization, but more power from the Holy Spirit. And I think over the next few months, we'll be doing a little bit more of this as a church with opportunities for prayer ministry, for prayer and worship mornings, uh, and hopefully pressing into God's spirit a little bit more. I had a friend once tell me that the, the less the Holy Spirit we have in a church, the more cake and coffee we need. <laughs> the less we have the Holy Spirit, the more cake and coffee we need. What do you want to depend on? <laughs> cake and coffee or God's Spirit? Someone said both and that's okay. The Spirit-filled life is not a deluxe special edition of Christianity. It's part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. Every time we recite those creeds, every time we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, we mean that we believe there's a living God able and willing to enter our lives and bring change. There's nothing to be scared of. He is good. He's a good father, a good God who gives good gifts to his children. And that brings me on to the final point about purpose. We've seen how Jesus comes and gives peace and shows that he is present with us in our fears and failures and that also gives power to do the kind of things that mere humans cannot do. With his power, we are called more than conquerors, aren't we? Finally, he gives us our central purpose for existence. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I am sending you to extend my peace and my light and my truth and my life and my love in the world. I'm going to the Father, he says, but I give you my spirit. I am the power in you. So go and glorify me in this world. That's our great purpose. Do all that you do in order to glorify God in the peace of God, by the power of God, to do the will of God for the glory of God. And for the good of others. Peace, presence, power, and purpose. All in this short, dramatic passage. Thomas overcomes his doubts. The disciples overcome their fears. And despite still being on the most wanted lists from all the Jewish hierarchies, they come out, don't they? Something happens. The power of the Holy Spirit gives them purpose and they break free from that locked room. What would it look like for you to break free from your locked room today? What would it look like for you to have freedom by the power of the Spirit? When we meet a risen Jesus, he gives us peace, the promise of his presence, a power beyond understanding, and a purpose for our lives. And so I want to finish by praying into those areas today. And if there's an area there that you know you're struggling with or you'd like to grow in, then I invite you just to 
sit quietly, maybe put your hands out wanting to receive what God has for you today. So let's pray. God, when we meet the risen Jesus, he gives us peace beyond all understanding. Lord, I want to pray that you would release the blessing of peace to this congregation. That whatever they are facing, you would give them heavenly peace. When the storms of life are rough, when the troubles come rolling, when the mountains ahead seem endless, fill your people with your peace. And Lord, not only with your peace, we pray that you would reassure each and every one of us here today by your presence. Knowing that it is you who has risen, the one for whom all the, the living waters flow. And so Lord, refresh us in your Holy Spirit. Give us power to overcome our fears. Give us power to go out and glorify you in this world that people would see how marvellous you are. Lord, and fill us once again, whatever stage of life we're at, with your purpose from heaven. To glorify you, to magnify you. That by the peace of God, in the power of God, for the will of God, it would all be for the glory of God. And we ask this, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Just to say, a few of us recently went on some prayer ministry um, training, and if there's anything that you'd like prayer for, I'd like to offer um, to pray for one another. We see that through the scriptures, don't we? Um, so after the service, there'll be a, a, maybe a couple of us over, over here. If you want prayer for anything at all, please do uh, come and receive some prayer. But otherwise, we're going to continue in prayer with our prayers. I think Elizabeth, are you bringing it? Brilliant. Elizabeth's going to lead us in our prayers.